Um, welcome to everyone online. Um, I get to share with you this morning. Um, Wayne is on vacation in Ohio, much deserved. Um, a couple week, a few week vacation for him and his family, so um, I get to fill in for him. I'm excited to do that. Um, um, before we launch into it this morning and, and get, get into the Word together, into the Bible, um, I just wanted to kind of take a second and just kind of just take a snapshot of the big picture for us um, this morning. It always kind of helps me. Um, so, at the start, God made everything. When He made us, He made us similar to Him and made us to partner with Him in enjoying what He made. But we didn't listen to Him and wanted to take what wasn't good for us to take. Since then, God has been working to rescue people of every race, ethnicity, culture, and background from that choice. He sent Jesus to take our punishment and lead us back into that original design where we can know God and partner with God. When you, me, anyone turns to him, he adopts us as his kids and Jesus begins to restore the character of God in us. It always helps me to kind of get the big picture. That's what's going on this morning here in Walnut Creek. Um, God's continuing his work in us. Um, so here at Open Table Church, we've been talking about and praying for more of Jesus uh, in our church, in our lives, in our relationships, um, you name it. We want Jesus to, to move. And um, For me, when I think about more of Jesus, one of the kind of questions that comes to mind is, if I want more of Jesus, um, I should know what Jesus cares about. And what he wants to do next. You know, it's kind of, I guess that's kind of obvious. Um, but what happens when we're not sure um, what Jesus cares about in a certain situation? Or kind of unsure as a church where, where Jesus is headed next? Um, so this, we're going to take a look today at a time when that happened in the church. And, and see how the early church um, dealt with that question and how they got united um, and, and in, in what they were convinced Jesus was doing. Um, as a bit of a segue, um, this is fun, I, I, I want to um, start out this morning by um, sharing with you my testimony. And um, te for those of you maybe who are new to church, testimony is just a, a church word we use to talk about um, how we came into a relationship with Jesus. And um, it's, it's like a story. Um, so for me, uh, Wes, who was just up here playing the guitar, he's my brother. So Wes and I grew up in Pacific Grove, California, um, near Monterey. So that's awesome. Uh, <laughs> with our parents, uh, Mike and Diane, and they still live there. Um, and they've been here a few, you know, from time to time. You may have met them. And uh, when we were pretty young, um, I think I was about three years old. I remember being in the twos and threes Sunday school, so I was, I was about three um, my, dad had, um, my dad had always been kind of an athlete, and so he joined this fast-pitch softball team, um, just for fun, I guess. And um, the guy that was the manager of that fast-pitch softball team was a guy named Pat Torrey. He's a contractor, Pat Torrey. And um, 
And so Pat and his wife, Doreen, had uh, two boys, Christian and Colin, and actually later they had a third, Keithan. Um, but Christian and Colin were about Wes and I's age. And so um, my dad's playing you know, softball, my mom and Doreen are sitting in the stands chatting, um, and Christian and Colin and Wes and I are over in the dirt hill you know, next to the ballpark playing around and, and, and doing that, being boys. And, um, and uh, yeah, so we're playing and, and, and they're chatting, and I think my parents, they grew up going to church from time to time, and they kind of wanted Wes and I to go to church um, somewhat, some. And so I think maybe just during some of those talks and chats, um, Doreen invited us to say, hey, you know, we go to this church that has a great kids program, you should come. And, um, and so my mom and, and my dad, they were like, yeah, okay, you know, let's check it out. And, um, and so they had this, this kids program, it was called Caraway Street, um, which kind of like Sesame Street. And um, it was awesome, it was like, they, I mean, because they had a church building, so downstairs in the basement, they had this total like set that was built and it had like different doors and trap doors and they had puppets. It was, just, it was a lot like Muppets, like, like, like Sesame Street, but Caraway Street is what they called it. And, um, and so we'd go and sit through this and it was like, kids program was awesome, it was real simple and they just shared the, the good news about Jesus, you know, all the time. And I remember, I think we were a little bit you know, it was a new place, smelled sort of probably funny, I don't know. And so my mom sat with us, and so she heard the good news, you know, about Jesus um, sitting there with us. And um, so anyway, so I remember just one night um, um, laying in bed, and I kind of thought, was thinking about what I had been hearing in Caraway Street, and I was probably like four or five years old. And they had this thing that they talked about, it was called the CBAs of the gospel. And so it was just an easy way to remember it. And so C stood for confess that you're a sinner, that you do bad stuff, um, and that you can't fix that on your own. That's the C. And then believe that Jesus is God's son who came to earth and died in my place. Um, so that sinfulness and that messed upness of mine could be washed away. And accept was the A. Accept the forgiveness Jesus is offering so that I can live each day with him as a new person, those, the CBAs. And so I just remember thinking about that, and I just, they're laying in bed, you know, four or five years old, just prayed through that, just talked to Jesus like they told us we could. And um, it's awesome. So, um, yeah, and, and Jesus said, all right, yeah, I'm going to come into your life, and um, he's, he's just faithful, you know. Um, that's just the beginning of my journey walking with Jesus. Um, he's been so faithful um, through all sorts of different seasons and chapters of life, um, decades now. Um, I love it. Jesus is alive um, and he's active in our world today, um, this morning here um, in, in, in all of our lives. And I think all of us here who are followers of Jesus have probably a story like that that we could share. Um, and uh, it's amazing, and we see Jesus at work in our world. Um, but it kind of begs the question, and I was thinking about this so for today, how is it that little four or five-year-old Evan in Monterey, you know, in, in the 80s, got linked into, got brought into this Jewish Messiah movement that started you know, other side of the world a couple thousand years ago. 
you know? Have you ever kind of wondered about that? How is that, you know, it's, it's pretty amazing. How did that happen, you know? Um, and so, um, I, you know, kind of thinking about that for each of us here today, you know, most of us, how, how many of you here are Jewish? Ida, Ida is. <laughs> and probably if there are a few folks that are, they probably, maybe not practicing, uh, you know, so maybe, you know, um, ethnically um, Jewish, but um, so it, most of us here aren't Jewish, but we are part of, J- Jesus was a Jewish guy, and he was the, the Messiah, the Savior, um, the Jewish um, Messiah, and, but we've gotten brought into this thing that God was doing in the nation of Israel, um, which is awesome. So we're going to kind of take a look at that um, today. Um, and we're going to do a question and see what we can learn there about um, what Jesus is doing in us today. Um, so, like I said, Acts 15, we're going to take a look, um, verse 4 through 21. Um, really quick, um, I don't know if there was a map. There might be a map in your guys' little um, bullets in there. Um, so, just to kind of give you some background, quick background. So, um, the church the folks that were following Jesus that started in Jerusalem um, and there was a bunch of folks that um, came to follow Jesus at around Pentecost and the, the Holy Spirit just came and moved in power. And then there was some, um, um, uh, gosh, um, they were, um, there were some issues. Uh, Stephen was killed and they were kind of driven out and they went to these other cities nearby but then they started little churches and house churches and Bible studies. And so the, the, the church, the followers of Jesus were spread. Um, and um, one of those churches started in the city of Antioch, which is on that map. And you kind of see it. It's like upper kind of corner there of the, of the Mediterranean Sea. And that church was, grew, grew really rapidly and it was large. And it's actually the first place where... Um, the followers of Jesus were ever first called Christians. And most of the folks there, a lot of the folks there, I should say, were not Jews. They were Gentiles. So the, the church, you know, the followers of Jesus originally were Jew, mostly Jews in Jerusalem, and then, it's, then now it's spreading, and it's in folks that aren't Jews. Um, and, sorry, from now on, when I, there, there's, a, there's a word we're going to use, which is Gentiles. So if you've never heard that word, that means not Jews, basically. Um, so um, there were a lot of Gentiles who had become Christians, followers of Jesus. And so anyway, so the folks in Antioch, a lot of them were not Jews, um, become followers of Jesus. And at the start of this chapter, I'm not going to read it, I'll just paraphrase it, but basically there was some folks, Christians, who came to Antioch from Jerusalem, and they were Jewish Christians, and they said, hey, if you want to be a follower of Jesus, if you want to be saved, you need to basically become a Jew. You need to be circumcised and you need to follow the, the law of Moses. And Paul and Barnabas, who were there, disagreed with that. And so there was this conflict. And, um, and so the church in Antioch decided, hey, we're going to send Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem. And kind of that's where most of the church leaders were. And we're going to get kind of the final word on this. And so, you know, what, what should we do? Do we need to do that? Do we not need to do that? Um, and so that's where we're at. So picking up in Acts 15, verse 4, and we'll just kind of read through it here. So it says, When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders 
to whom, to whom they reported everything God had done through them. God had been at work in Antioch, and just the gospel, Holy Spirit was going out with, in power. It was awesome. Um, and then, so, then some of the believers, this is in Jerusalem, you know, there, so then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees, so these are followers of Jesus, but they were really devout Jews, um, stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. Hmm. So there it is. The apostles and elders met to consider this question. So after much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. And he said, Brothers, you know that some time ago, God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. So Peter, remember he was one of the disciples, he had had an experience before this where he saw... Um, a, a sheet, it's, there's a lot of detail to it, but basically, through visions, he w- came to the realization that Jesus wanted the gospel to go out to the Gentiles, to the not, non-Jews. And so, so he is already on board with that, um, and, so, and everyone knows about that. So that's why he says, you know, you know that some time ago. Um, and um, and so, th- so then he continues, he says, God, God who knows the heart, love that, God who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them, this is the Gentiles, just as he did to us, the Jews. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, exclamation point, no. We believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved, just as they are. The whole assembly became silent and continued in silence, and they listened to to Barnabas and Paul, and they were telling about the signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles, the non-Jews, through them. When they finished, James spoke up. James is the brother of Jesus, also a Jewish guy. Um, And he says, brothers, listen to me. Simon has described to us, that's Peter, sorry, he had multiple names. So Peter has described to us how God first, love this, God first intervened to choose a people for his name from the Gentiles. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this as it is written. And then he quotes here, this is a quote from Amos which is a guy, a prophet from before Jesus' time, in quotes, and he says, After this, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. That's King David. And this is, this is God. so the prophet's speaking on behalf of God. After this, God will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins God will rebuild. I will rebuild, and I will restore it, that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles, the non-Jews, who bear my name, says the Lord, who, d- who does these things, things known from long ago. And then James continues, he says, it is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Whew, that's a lot. <laughs> so, Acts 15. Um, so, what's going on here? Let's take a little bit of time here and... Um, and kind of get some nuggets out of this, this long chunk here. Um, so, um, 
One thing I love just in this whole thing is that we get this little view into the early church, the followers of Jesus. They're like us. They're folks that want to want more of Jesus, um, and they want to be in step with what Jesus' heart and vision is, you know? Um, and so, so, real quick, so what's the issue that they're kind of dealing with? So there's, you know, they're talking about circumcision, um, becoming basically Jewish in order to be saved. So, so more deeply, the real question, the, the, the issue is, they're saying, what is required for people to be saved? or to be part of God's kingdom, and to have a relationship with Jesus. Um, and um, so, um, let me check here. Um, so um, basically, there's some um, Pharisee Christians who are saying that um, Gentiles or non-Jews, they essentially need to become Jews in order to be saved. So I think that's your first fill in there. Sorry, I was just checking on that. Um, Gentiles must become Jews in order to have, that's your first fill in there. Um, and so, that's, this is the issue. There's some Jewish Christians who think, man, you need to basically become Jewish in order to be a follower of Jesus. Um, and then the other side of that issue is Paul and Barnabas, and, and there's a number of other church leaders who, who really disagree with that. Um, and they don't think that, and they think that um, people are justified um, with God, uh, or made right with God through faith in Jesus alone. Um, so there's this conflict in the church. Um, I was thinking about this. I kind of want to be clear. It's like, it, it may not be that these um, Pharisee Christians, these really devout Jewish Christians, um, that it may not be that they were really being malicious. You know, it seems kind of that way, and I think sometimes we can kind of think of it that way, but, you know, it's possible that they really genuinely thought that that's what folks needed to do to be a follower of Jesus. And it kind of makes sense because if you think about it, most of the early Christians were Jewish. Jesus was Jewish. So, you know, I guess I'm just saying that because I think we can all relate where we might think of something in our walk with God where we think this is really, really important, but maybe it's not what's best for other folks, or maybe it's not as important as we think. So, um, anyway, so... This is just an honest, I think, an honest argument that they're trying to work through and see um, which way Jesus wants to go with his, with his kingdom. So, um, kind of already touched on it, but, you know, why is this important, um, this issue of do you need to become a Jew or not in order to be saved, you know, and... Um, um, Obviously, it would be a major change for all these folks who are Gentiles to become Jewish and to be circumcised, and um, that's, that's significant. Um, but um, I think mo- most significantly with this issue, and the thing that really kind of hits for me, is the question of what is God's heart and vision for his kingdom, you know? Um, I think this is a question that we should all have on our hearts and minds. Um, you know, should it just be kind of this exclusive, small group? Should, or should it be this inclusive, you know, you know movement and, um, in, you know, inviting in all peoples? Um, and I think that brings up the core issue, which is God has always planned, God has always planned 
on blessing all the nations of the earth through Abraham. So not just Israel. Um, like, like, like James quoted in Amos, he says that the rest of mankind, I love it, that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who bear my name. Um, I know I'm, I'm referring to Abraham. Um, there's a, this is from Genesis 12, 1 through 3. It says, the, um, the Lord had said to Abraham, so Abraham, the father of many nations, but also the father of Israel, um, household, to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And then he says, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples on on earth will be blessed through you. So um, this is why this is important, you know, because we're basically figuring out what has God's heart been for his kingdom um, all along. Um, God wants to, to welcome peoples from all nations and backgrounds and ethnicities and cultures um, into his kingdom. Uh, I think that's your third fill in there. Um, through a life-changing faith in the living Jesus. Um, this isn't to say that the law doesn't or didn't have its place, or even, even now that we can just kind of live doing whatever we want, um, but it means that the core basis of our relationship with God, of our salvation, Um, is that God, being generous and gracious, has invited us into his kingdom through faith in Jesus. Um, That by putting our trust in Jesus and what he's done for us, Jesus makes us right with God. And that's it. That's huge. That's huge. Um, And that's what the church was working through. So it is really, really important. Um, I also love that, like, kind of, I read that passage from Genesis, and then there's that passage from Amos, and there's a lot of other passages um, that we could go and look at. I love that this isn't like this weird tangent in the story of the Bible. God has always wanted to, he, his heart has always been to bless the people of all nations, you know, and, and so this is just a continuation of that and fulfillment of that heart that God has, that worldview that God has, um, and it's just another step in that. Um, I kind of love, I, Sorry, I'm like close to the mic. I love that, in a way, I, like, I was talking about Monterey in the 80s, um, yeah, and we here are kind of like descendants, spiritual descendants of this and many other movement, moments in the movement of following Jesus, that where they, those followers of Jesus kind of were, were generous and expansive and went out to other nations and cities and shared about their hope in Jesus. And, and here we are, you know, to the ends of the earth. The, the, the good news came to us, which is awesome. And also for, like, Ida and anyone that's Jewish, it's awesome because they get to see this fulfillment of God's plan to use Israel, to use the Jewish folks to have the Savior come, for Jesus to come through them. So it's, it's kind of like this awesome um, fulfillment moment. Um, so... These folks in the, in the, in the early church, um, they adjusted their view of what Jesus was doing um, so that they could be united and in step with the more that Jesus wanted to do through them. Um, so um, let's take a second. We're going to kind of pivot and be practical for a second about this. Um, so um, 
how did they do that? How did they work through this conflict that they had? Um, so the first thing that I love is that you notice how James quotes from Amos. And so, man, you know, you can go to the scriptures. Um, I think that's one of your fellows. Lean heavily on scripture. They, you know, they had, you know, they probably a lot of scriptures on scrolls. So they had it memorized. So they was just like, they were just thinking through and meditating on scripture. And so their decision was, was probably really rich with scripture guidance. Um, so lean heavily on scripture, contextually reading the Bible. Um, and man, we can learn from that. I can learn from that big time. <laughs> so um, whenever we have kind of conflict in the church or with each other about something like this, let's go to the word, see what um, God's heart is, what his vision is um, there. Um, the second thing um, I, I love is that you, know, you can look, they looked for the fruit um, which is, um, you hear them talking a lot about how Paul and Barnabas were talking about how, how the gospel had gone out um, amongst the Gentiles. Um, and I think we should do the same thing. We should look for, you know, they had seen the Holy Spirit moving in, in these communities and in people's lives. And so they concluded, God has shown what God's heart is by giving the Holy Spirit in these people's lives, we shouldn't, you know, make it tough for them to be um, followers of Jesus. So that's, that's a big thing. They look for the fruit, um, and we can do that too um, as a church. And then um, uh, lastly, they, they went and sought the wisdom of their prayerful um, leaders, and um, which is kind of a tricky thing. It's a humble thing. You know, they went and they talked about it and they kind of said, hey, what do you guys think? And we're going to submit to your decision. And um, I also love that there's sort of this really open discussion that they had. Um, they didn't, you know, it wasn't kind of like behind closed doors or something. And, you know, they, there was a bunch of, a bunch of elders and, and leaders and disciples all together in a room praying and discussing. And they concluded what God wanted to do. Um, so, um, yeah, so practical stuff there. Um, I was thinking about, so for application, um, with this, and, um, I was kind of thinking about, you know, what issues do I have, um, that, uh, kind of get me off track with what Jesus wants to do in, in, in our church, specifically thinking about church, you know, because that's kind of what they were dealing with. Um, things that kind of come to mind, you know, one thing is kind of outward appearances, you know. Um, you got to wear the plaid shirt, you know. Um, you know, just some of those kinds of things. You know, I think, you know, another big one is sort of like how do we do church, um, which I love. That's one thing about OTC is like normally we're outside, which I love, for that, and also, it's like, but hey, this morning we're inside. <laughs> you know, we can't really have any real set forms that we get that become habits and then become traditions and then become more than traditions and become an issue because we're there and we're here and it's someone different today and you know, Evan's talking and what is Evan doing? I don't know, you know, and then Wayne's talking, you know, and so it's just this kind of different, and, and I think there's some health to that, um, but that can be an issue um, in church. 
Um, other things that came to mind were like, you know, worship music. You know, what kind of worship music do you like? What's, you know, um, what style of music do you like in church? Um, Bible translation. What's the Bible? What's the one, you know? Man, I don't know. It's a t- it's, it can be a tough thing for some folks. Um, I, it's, it's, you know, spiritual gifts. You know, how do we employ them? Some people have them. Some people don't, you know. Um, especially the more charismatic ones, you know, and, and are we doing it in order? And um, so all those kind of things can be issues that we need to work through um, and can get me distracted from what Jesus wants to do. Um, some wise advice on that that I've gotten is maybe instead of trying to find a church that agrees with everything I think, um, I need to just give, maybe give some room on those secondary things for difference, for differences, you know? And while staying united as a church, um, you know, and keeping the main things the main things. You know, Paul really had a heart for the church remaining united and, um, and, and focused in on the simple core good news. And so I think he's a good guy to follow, follow his example. Um, if, if maybe something like that is, 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 a, is a challenge for you right now, or is something that is kind of maybe, and these things can be tough. They can scar us. Um, they can really harm, you know, our relationships in the church and, and um, our walk with Jesus. I mean, I just encourage you, you know, just to seek Jesus about that issue, whatever that might be, and, and pray about it. Um, Jesus wants us to be united. Um, Jesus wants us to have his vision, you know, for his kingdom. Um, and like I said earlier, you know, get in the Word. Read your Bible about it. See what the Bible has to say. Um, and um, see if, if what it is, is, is you know, is, is, is in there. Is it consistent? Um, and then also just, you know, I just encourage you to talk with our leaders here if there's something going on um, like they did. You know, they, they got together, they talked about it, they prayed about it, and I think it was this watershed thing that God had something new to do because they did that, because they got together. It helps us to remain united and to work through these things together. So um, that is about all I have. Um, I want to give you some time to kind of think about uh, maybe your story of how God has brought you into his um, just expansive, generous, gracious kingdom um, us Gentiles here, you know, on the other side of the world. Um, and um, I was kind of, this question was pinging around in my head from this this week, was kind of in what areas, you know, do I set up boundaries or hold on to the past that can stifle the more that Jesus wants to do in my life? Um, we can be sure that Jesus wants to lead us into new areas of freedom and healing and displays of his greatness and his power. Let's ask him what we can let go of to allow us to be better united as a body for what he wants to do next. Let's pray and just kind of spend a little bit of time. Yeah, buddy, you can. 
Jesus, um, yeah, I just, um, I'm humbled. Humbled is probably the, uh, not the right word. Um, blown away that um, I get to be part of what you want to do, Jesus, in, in our world. Um, uh, just, I pray that um, if there's anyone here who has, who maybe doesn't have a relationship with you, or um, you know, um, is wondering what that's all about, um, or um, just ask that you would speak to their hearts um, and, and invite them in. It's, it's as simple as the, the you know, five-year-old CBAs, you know, um, just talking to Jesus and, and inviting them to be king. Um, and, um, which is it's awesome, an incredible invitation that we get to be part of your kingdom, Jesus. I just ask that you'd be at work in Open Table Church um, and, um, yeah, just um, give us a vision, a wild, um, expansive vision for what you want to do here in Walnut Creek and in our families and our marriages and um, our workplaces. Um, yeah, we just love you and look forward to it with expectation. In your name, Jesus, we pray.